The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. The information and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the Life Saving Society of Ontario. Hello and welcome to the Lifeguard for Life podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Bacalar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jason Jolicoeur. Hi, Jason. Hi, Stephanie. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So what have you been up to since our last podcast? Well, I mean, as you can tell by my slightly raspy voice, I have a bit of a bit of an allergies, bit of a cold. Um, so not much lately, but I have been doing a lot of swimming with my girls and I just wanted to brag for the masses all of our (laughs) listeners um I just wanted a moment to brag about how great my girls are doing with their swimming um so I have the three-year-old and the 20-month-old and they are both now getting objects off the bottom um and my three-year-old is jumping in and swimming short distances by herself and these are kids who didn't get swimming lessons because of the pandemic right (laughs) these are kids who have missed out so I've been really kind of like oh I hope that they get in the water and I hope they love it as much as I do. And they do. And I am thrilled. Yes, so that's lifeguards kind of, in the making. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I asked Ellie yesterday if she was going to be a lifeguard. And she said, no, I'm going to be a mummy. And I was like, oh, you have lots of time for that. Let's start with lifeguarding. Both. Let's please become a lifeguard before you become a mommy. <laughs> but um, yeah. So what have you been up to? Um, I have actually been doing some stuff for life-saving. So um, I taught another online credit session. Um, it was actually I my biggest those. class last week. I had 19 students. So it was great. Uh, and they were really um, engaging. So it was nice to see they all participated. Um, we're also, uh, actually, Patrick and I are doing a session together at the area chair conference this weekend on the aquatic staff shortage. So we are, we did prep that and got that ready to go. Um, and actually, I forgot last on Friday, on Good Friday, we uh, pool was closed. So I got a bunch of my staff to kind of volunteer for a couple hours. We brought, brought them back out and we filmed a bunch of stuff that we hopefully are going to use for uh, bronze and NL resources. Oh, um, wonderful. And you're going to have to help us with it. <laughs> so surprise. Yay. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. That's great. So, so tonight, yeah. who do we have on with us? We have Cynthia Cake Bread on who is like something of a legend at the Life Saving Society, I feel like. I know um, when I worked in the office, I could never quite pin down what she did, like what her role was. I was like, she's the area chair, or does she work in this? Or does she work in that? And she talks a bit, a bit about that in our interview and all the different sort of- um, she's done over the years. She has her fingers yeah. in. Um, but you actually know her quite well. Yes, I worked with, I worked for her since 1999 up until about two years ago when then I, when then I moved to Woodstock. So um, I've, yeah, traveled with her, um, volunteered with her, worked with her for like 20 years-ish. And yeah. wonderful person, like yeah. wonderful person, super knowledgeable. We're so excited to have her on the episode today um, because she really lives and breathes the area chair world. She gets it. Um, and we're going to let her chat with us and, and share what area chairs do. Yeah. So let's, let's bring her on. Okay. Great. It's great to see you, Cynthia. Um, thanks for joining our lifeguard for life podcast. Uh, we're here tonight to talk all about, 
um, area chairs in Great. Ontario and how they can help us. But first, um, do you mind just giving us a little background about yourself? Um, well, I, I'm Cynthia Cakebread. I currently work as the manager of recreation and culture for the town of Essex. And I've been doing that for just about 23 years, I think, or on, in my 23rd year. And I did a couple of years before that in the town of Tecumseh and uh, worked for the city of Windsor. I spent a summer in the Northwest Territory. So um, lots of background in aquatics and leading up to now in a, a great job with the, the town. And um, on the volunteer side, I have been a uh, volunteer with the Life Saving Society. I don't even want to say it, but like 30 years. Like I, I think I started when I was a lifeguard in the 90s doing um, tag days at the beer store with Ken Little. And, uh, what are tag days? I'm intrigued. Would, yeah, we would hang out, <laughs> shake people down. <laughs> we would try and shake them down for the return money. So that was a as like a fundraiser, thing. basically. Ooh, for like like a great idea. It was a funny thing, right? We were like education. We'd hand out like a little a sticker and say, you know, it's for drowning prevention. There was a, I support drowning prevention stickers that you would give to people. Um, and, you know, if they had questions, but we were there and we had our little cups and they put their coins in it. We give them a sticker. And that was uh, at least, yeah, I think, every summer. So three or four summers we did that. You so. and Ken Little doing that, too. I feel like you probably chased a few people down. Uh, maybe sure. got a little rough. Yeah, I have like a great picture of me from back then, too. I look so young and fresh and I'm wearing like my drowning prevention shirt. And yeah, hanging out at the beer store, my favorite place in the world. That's <laughs> so. right. Yeah, it's great. So that's kind of where I started. And, uh, you know, as I started working um, in my full-time position, you know, going to Ken and saying, well, what more can I do at this point? Or how, how do I get more involved? And um, at that uh, time, Ken took a, moved up into the area services chair, and that made a vacancy in the area chair for Windsor-Essex. So my cousin David and I became co-chairs, because uh, David right. was a lifeguard. So we co-chaired um, Area 1 for, oh gosh, I don't know, three, four years. And then he moved to London and I kind of held the, the reins of it until uh, Julie Dolly, um, who was the VP of Member Services, made the decision to move into uh, president-elect and onward through president. And um, so she called me and, and said, you know, you should consider you know, if you're interested in the vice president. And I said, nope. And I hung up on her because <laughs> I had like no desire whatsoever. And then she called me a couple more times and she, you know, massaged the idea. And um, I kind of, I put my name forward and, uh, you know, I don't regret it now that I'm in the role. Like I, my biggest thing was I really loved being the area chair. I loved being at that front level with the people in my area. And I, I was afraid that, oh, there's going to be a gap. But it, at the end of the day, there isn't because there's still so much opportunity to interact with your affiliates and um, the other people in the organization at a local level, no matter what role you hold uh, at the society. So that's been a nice turnaround turn of events. Yeah. And you, I know COVID probably has slowed this down, but you're also quite involved in sport. I know. Uh, yeah. Um, I, you know what I have, I really had a lot of fun working in a lot of different areas of the society. Sport is kind of my number two. Uh, I have been officiating now. Um, basically I started officiating the same year I became an area chair. So in 98, that was my first summer working um, at an event and you know again kind of like oh I like this and I started out doing just the pool event then I then I started doing waterfront and then 
um, national opportunities came up and uh, eventually international opportunities came up and that's, that's been great. another big side. Yeah. And then my, I, I've also played a little bit with safety management. I've been really, really fortunate to uh, jump on some safety audits with uh, Michael. Um, and again, it's really uh, getting a good cross-section of what the society does. So I, I feel like I, I've had my fingers in a lot of different pies. And I think that it really helps me um, in my role a lot better as well by doing uh, more than just one uh, activity center. Yeah, especially working as an area chair, because when you have all of that experience, then when someone has a question, you know the answer. And it's not just like, you know, I know who direct you to. I know the answer firsthand because yeah. um, you, because you've really done it. Right. Yeah. Um, so maybe you can explain a bit for us about like, what is the role of an area chair? Like, Why do area chairs exist within the society and, and what is their place? Well, I'll tell you, we are um, an anomaly in Canada. Um, none of the other provinces have it. We are high viewed very highly on that that they're like wow to be able to develop that kind of volunteer base to have that representation and i mean primarily you know the textbook answer is um they are the the local representative for leadership and the society in like a i would say like a designated geographical area right so i'm area one windsor essex area two is chatham kent um but it allows us to have a good spread of people throughout the province uh, where you have somebody in the north you have penny liqueur who's been an area chair for like 50 years <laughs> um so she's a real touchstone right so she comes with a lot of history she's in a location that is you know remote um but she does a really great job of uh being relevant and present to her affiliates so she can you know direct and guide them in that leadership role so I'm back into aquatics pretty recently um, um, as a supervisor in, in Woodstock. Um, so being back into aquatics, maybe I want to reach out to my area chair um, for some assistance. Do you have some suggestions as what types of support an area chair could provide? And that might be like supports for lifeguards, might be for instructors, it could be for programmers, kind of feel like feel out the question, see how you want to answer it. But what types of supports could they offer? Um, they're great for communication just with the affiliate members, right? For an affiliate who gets some communication from the office or something they don't, they don't understand about a program, um, systems or processes, um, helping out with finding examiners, doing the examiner mentorships, things like that. So it's, um, it's high level in the sense of like they're there as a um, I, I can answer the questions and they're there on a very direct level on talking to people about you want to progress uh, your qualifications. Here's how you do that. You want to become an examiner mentor. Here's how you do that. Um, they can link you up with different areas, right? I'm going away to school. Well, here's who the area chair is in, you know, um, the Waterloo area. They might be able to direct you to the affiliates that are close to where you might be going to school, things like that. So it comes with everything from education to assistance, guidance, mentorship, um, and just being present um, in, in everything, right? And it can be direct even from the affiliate level to the individual. As an individual, uh, if you're taking programs and you have questions about the processes of those programs, you have questions related to the courses that you're taking, the instructors that are teaching, um, it can be good and bad, right? There's sometimes a mediator um, in between. I've come from an exam. I'm not happy with, happy with the outcome of that exam. Maybe I can, you know, talk my, to my area chair and they can take the information and go back to the affiliate and the examiners and say, tell me how we got to this uh, 
point and making sure that you know the exam was run appropriately must sees were used uh you know sometimes interpreting um for because we we do we have younger candidates who hear one thing, but that's not really what's being said to them. So it's really uh, deciphering um, information for them sometimes as well. So, yeah, I think would I remember too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. <laughs> I was just wondering, like, would you safely say, like, there's no wrong question to ask your area chair? Ah, like, absolutely. reach out, send an email or whatever, yeah. reach out, ask your questions, and they're there to support you. And if and it, yeah. you don't have the answer, you'll find it. Yeah, pretty much. And I, and I think the office is also very good about utilizing their area chairs when they're getting generalized answers or questions at the office. The first thing they'll say is, I'm going to give you your area chair contact information uh, to give them a call first. Um, they want us to, to kind of tackle it first, be the front line. And then if we need to escalate it, uh, that's, you know, it's, it's the area chair that makes the decision on when it needs to go higher or if it can be, you know, flames put out or questions answered. It's a key relationship to have when you're in any type of aquatics, mm -hmm. any connection you have with the license side of your area chair is someone you want to know, to oh. know who they are. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're going to be really good about um, helping you out as the individual or the affiliate. And uh, again, from the affiliate standpoint, it could be helping them with program information, right? Or, you know, trying to, I don't want to say push programs, but also like show the benefits of running certain programs or the benefit of different ways of running programs or um, activities that can be run, um, you know, getting other affiliates to talk to each other, right? So they're linking that and saying, you know what, like here's someone that ran the program in this area. Um, they can probably give you some information or tips. So they are very much that central communications um, hub um, and then saying what can I answer who can I direct them to how can I guide them um that's good I remember too I was a when I was a young examiner I was doing one of my first bronze med or cross exams I can't remember which um and like halfway through the exam I was realizing like this class just isn't ready um, but I wasn't quite sure how to handle it um so I remember calling my Irish here and just having a conversation with them like hey this is you know this is where the class is at you know, as an examiner, I know I'm an instructor first, but like this, the whole class really isn't ready and they probably just not have enough time to prepare. Uh, so we kind of came up with a plan together um, that we, you know, all felt comfortable with and to make sure that candidates were going to be successful too. We didn't want to just, you know, fail everyone. So in that moment, we did end up like, you know, I spent the rest of the exam just kind of teaching and then um, we scheduled the uh, the affiliate scheduled one more class to practice. And then I came back and did the exam again. Um, and it worked out, that worked out great, but it was just nice having that support in the moment. Cause I didn't want to, I was pretty nervous as my first exam. Right. And then I was able to, to kind of come up with a plan with my area chair um, that was going to work for the candidates too. Um, so they could be successful. And work for the affiliate. Right. Um, cause that's yeah. sometimes a question. Cause sometimes you, you know, having that uh, again, outside third party, it says, ah, talk to the examiner, chat about this, and they can come and be a little objective and saying, are, are, you, are you able to do this or accommodate this additional time, right? Or things like that, working with them. Yeah. Okay. So if someone is looking to get in touch with their area chair, what do they do? How do they go about that? Where do they find it? Well, you know what? Sometimes it's as easy as going to an affiliate they're familiar with. Right. I, I usually swim at Essex. I'm going to call the Essex pool and say, if I need to get more information, who should I talk to? Um, it, it, well, 
I guess saying Essex is a bad example because the area shares in Essex right now. If somebody from Tecumseh, <laughs> they could call, you know, the town of Tecumseh and say, oh, you know, in my area, who, who could I talk to or get more information on this? They're going to direct them to the area chair. You can call the office. We get a lot of referrals from the office um, back. Um, we get, you know, just people that share. We And, you know, the internet is great. Uh, you can get on the website and look at the um, Licensing Society um, website and it'll direct you there who your area chairs are as well. But I think more often than not, it, it's a, a referral versus somebody being able to find us or search us down, things like that. Yeah. And that's a good point too. When I, when I started teaching um, more advanced leadership courses, I realized that some of the candidates might want to get in touch with area chairs now that they're doing maybe a national life grade instructor course, for example. Yep. Um, so I started including it in the beginning. Hey, this is your area chair. Same. This is their, this is their content information. Yeah. If you need to ever get a hold of them, you have it. Um, so at least that, uh, that information was getting to that level. Um, but I like your idea too, like talk to your local pools, call mm -hmm. the office yeah. and get referred back. Um, yeah. So do you have any other questions or Cynthia, do you have anything you will kind of want to, um, like we didn't, we maybe didn't ask something you really want to talk about. Is there something that else you want to mention about area chairs and how they can support um, affiliates? Um, I think again, looking for just support in a lot of, a lot of times understanding all of the different programs um, and services that are available through the society. The area chairs are going to be really good about either knowing what the answers are or directing you properly, right? So there's so many layers of um, types of programs, activities, um, even you know going through like safety management, um, getting an audit, right? If you're going to be in a municipality that's building a new pool, uh, bring your area chair into that conversation because yes. maybe they can help and take a look at you know what what's the pool that you've got what do the drawings look like um and then bring that board and say you know the society has these types of programs to review those drawings if you want or you know you've been open for 10 or 15 years what you know coming in and having a safety audit done at that point in your facilities is a great idea just to see that are we still operating properly efficiently things like that um services uh in terms of programs but also just general services right and um how to develop uh the lifeguarding plan right how do you work with staff or do staff development training ideas um i called the society a couple months ago because we're you know looking at we have a, a waterfront and the very first thing it uh they not a guarded waterfront but they wanted yeah. to put a boy line out and the first thing i said is if you're going to consider that, you should talk to the Life Saving Society first and have them have a look at our beach and area and see if they can make recommendations on where the boy line should be versus us guessing. Um, so stuff like that. Um, just thinking to, um, it can help with the just assessing leadership training, right? Like trying to develop courses or interests. And they're the ones too that if you're looking like I can't find an examiner, I can't find an instructor, I can't find a trainer, things like that. Um, they can also be the ones that know who those instructor examiner trainers are, but also looking where there are shortages and where there needs to be a development of that program and working with affiliates to be able to try and offer those programs. Um, I think that's an important one, especially now with our um, shortages and staff shortages, um, looking for ways to develop our staff in fuller ways. So yeah, they're, they're always going to have the finger on the pulse of, of where there's um, gaps in the services. That that's a good point too, right? Because area chairs kind of know where there's potential gaps in their region and can talk to those affiliates and say, hey, we should probably start running some examiner classes or some yeah. national life guard instructor classes yeah. because you're getting pretty short in your area. 
And also, uh, the men yeah, the mentor program is like a great way as well. And I love it because it really forces people to get in touch to start developing those people and that there's bigger conversations that occur as a result of it. So um, that automatically, you know, before it was like you submitted a piece of paper for the examiner and, um, you know, the area chair would kind of hopefully do a little like if they don't know the person, check on it. But the new mentor program really creates a, um, I think, a more organic interaction and evaluation and development of our examiners now. So I think that's been a big positive in the last few years. And that's great. It does sound, Stephanie, like there's quite a few um, resources or just general help that you can get from your area chair. And I think it's important to remember that they're there. I know like when I was working in aquatics and kind of struggling a few times and thinking like, why don't I just make that phone call? But, like, but you're thinking like, oh, I need this or like, this isn't working or how could I? And I think especially in small areas, like we struggle with having examiners or having, you know, like the actual courses, the exams to have the, the seasonal staff trained and those sorts of things. Um, and so a lot of the times you're like, everybody's traveling and going all over the place. And it's like, they could have helped you bring someone in maybe from another area that's next to you, or, you know what I mean? They can help facilitate those kinds of conversations and really, and really help you out. Um, one other thing I'd like to talk about is the area chair conference and sort of that, I think is a really interesting tool um, for all the area chairs to get the knowledge, the annual refresh and updates and, and that sort of how they get all their information. So can you just speak a little bit to how that sort of operates and what the benefits are? Um, for one thing, being able to bring all of our area chairs together, um, it's been challenging the last two years. And yeah. I'm sure you know. Uh, last year, we ran a virtual conference for the first time, and it was monster learning curve. Um, I think we, <laughs> we did a really great job in the sessions that we ran. A lot of them, uh, the feedback was we wish they were longer, the sessions, because they, they felt they were valuable. They thought the flexibility of the virtual was great as well. They loved the idea that, oh, like, it's, I might not have been able to come in person, but I was able to hop on and off on those virtual. This year, uh, we made the decision to go to every other year. So we're gonna do virtual one year, in person the next, because um, we miss that. Again, when you're not in person, you don't have those sidebar conversations. And that's a big one, I think, um, for people to meet from all over the province to have a little chit chatty. Well, oh, like I, you know, you don't think about it till you're in a little conversation. Um, this year threw us off. So we um, had to flip and go back to a virtual format this year. Uh, we will hopefully return to in person, but um, even this year, right? Like coming up with the session topics, we, we go and talk to the other activity centers and say, do you have anything pressing? Um, we kind of go uh, amongst my area chair council and you know, say, what are you hearing from your area chairs? What's the questions that they're getting? Um, where do they need more information? Um, sometimes it's based around what are new programs being released? Um, is there updates that we haven't done in a while? Is there pressing issues? And we try and develop our content based on that. So we, again, usually we get together in person and we have a little um, mini think tank. Uh, this year we kind of did it, uh, you know, we do it virtually and the same thing. We were like, here are like the four or five things that we're going to do. And then it's also uh, creative for me because I have to do, uh, there's a president social. So we're like, how do you do a, you know, last year we're like, okay, we'll just get on and we'll play a little trivia and do that. And then this year we got way more creative and we're doing, um, 
an option between a sip and paint and a cheese pairing. So yeah, yeah. So (laughs) like fantastic. Right. So um, I think the whole development of virtual stuff and then, um, you know, we also have routine um, core content that we cover every year because they're like, that was so valuable. Um, and when we redeveloped was, uh, we often put them in their areas to, um, together, right? So Toronto or GTA has a group, South has a group, East has a group, West. And they do have two, or two times where specifically they get together as their full areas to go through some things and what we, I always felt as an area chair is like, I love these guys, but I, I'd love to like sit with people from Ottawa. I'd love to sit with this. So I came up with this idea of the area chair snowball. So I don't know if you had these in grade school, like the grade school dances where there's a dance and you're dancing with your, you know, whatever. And then they yell snowball and you have to switch partners. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, two years ago when we were in person, so over three years ago, I did a, an area chair snowball where we started off and I had like 10 questions and it was like, you had four or five minutes at a table. And it was like, um, I would say snowball. If you have something red on move to the table to the right and only those people would move. And then, you know, the next one was if you have uh, glasses on stand and move to the left and go through that question. And it wasn't about recording answers. It wasn't about, getting in in really deep in the weeds it was a quick question about you know what's something new that you've done in your area that you, you thought was incredible and then you just get a chance to rat-a-tat-tat answer and it's like that okay we've been here two minutes snowball so you know got people moving got them into totally different groupings and they got a chance to you know talk and hear things that were going on from all over not just in their little um section of the the province which are really like cool. area chair speed dating it's exactly that. <laughs> it's totally it. That's it. It's speed dating, but I, I just love going snowball. So <laughs> on the virtual one, we're doing kind of the same, um, but, you know, ver- Zoom breakout rooms are great yes. because yeah. we basically say, you know, we set it for three minutes, ask the question, they all come back in the room and then they're thrown out in totally different um, randomized yeah. groups again. So that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting to, and I'm lucky because I get to rotate through all the rooms and kind of see what everybody, like how the different groupings, how different people, you know, kind of respond together, who the real talkers are versus people that are just listening. But um, yeah, yeah it's and nice. that's this upcoming weekend, correct? We are this weekend, right? So yeah. Um, oh, that's exciting. It yeah. is. I think people are, I have had a couple emails about people that are really super excited about it. And again, you know, um, the in-person side of it is really missing and um uh, i even notice it from the board level right that it's you get on you do your meeting you get off um whereas you know when you have that meeting you end up i'm standing next to gary sanger and i'm like oh you know like what's going on with this and that'll lead into another conversation that leads into another conversation and then all of a sudden it's like oh I never thought about that. So. Yeah, a little more learning might happen, right, in those situations. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah more yeah, knowledge sharing a, and brainstorming. Yeah, so yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to get back in person, but I'm glad that we've been able to do at least something for them, um, and uh, even if it's virtually, bring us together. And we've worked in, like I said, um, we have the president social, which is going to be tons of fun for us. And but you know, we've set up to have the breakfast. Just get on, have breakfast, and we're going to play a game or do a little activity kind of thing just to get people in and around and chatting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is wonderful. And I think, um, overall area chairs, again, as we've said a few times are so valuable 
Thank you so much for coming on and having this chat with us and explaining it for the listeners. Um, I hope that everybody gets what they need out of this and, and learned a lot about area chairs and is I reaching did. out to theirs. I hope we see a large uptick in the reach outs to area chairs. After this oh, I hope I, I, I'm just like, oh, I better not have opened up a can of worms. No, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, why are all these people calling me? No, it'll yeah, be great, exactly. actually. I think uh, the one thing is uh, our area chairs are very good about, yeah, um, I think they do feel like they want to talk to more and share more and get out there more. So yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much, Cynthia, for coming yeah, on. We appreciate thanks for it. having me. Yeah, had enough fun this weekend at the conference. I totally will. The cheese. Thank, thank you. <laughs> okay, that was great having Cynthia on, right, Stephanie? Um, a lot of knowledge there. Very involved with the Lysame Society. Um, and we wanted to make sure um, people knew how to contact their area chair. So, Stephanie, if they went to lysamesociety.com, yeah. how would they find this, the link? So just click in the search bar on the top. Uh, what is this? My right on the top right hand side and search area chairs with an S area chairs. And you're going to get the whole list of area chairs for each area. Um, I don't know if we actually mentioned this, but there are like 30 areas and then there's extra areas for Toronto is like split into four. And then, um, and I think some of them are like B like eight, there's 18, a 18 B stuff like that. So there are a lot of areas. Um, so get a little curious, dig around and find your area. If you can't figure out exactly which one is yours, are you a or B or, or whatnot, just contact the life saving society as always. Yeah. Um, and this is nice too, because it says the, the person that the area, who the area chair is their phone number, and you yeah. can send them an email. So it's yeah, a very quick and easy way to get a hold of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's our next topic? So our next topic is actually going to be really helpful. Um, I think for our affiliates, it's all about seasonal openings. It's for seasonal affiliates, um, tips, tricks, you know, what do you need to do? Um, where do you get your information? All that kind of stuff. Um, so really just getting you ready for summer. If you're, yeah, you're thinking like those outdoor pool. pools, those waterfronts, those camps. Yeah. Um, yeah. All those seasonal affiliates that start opening up any day now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to get you ready. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about it. And it, it, as always, if you want to see us do a topic or if you have questions for us, email us at lifeguard for life podcast at gmail.com. And that's the number four lifeguard for life podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, Stephanie. Have a great night. Thanks.